0: Good evening, and welcome to 30 Minute Reviews. I am Adam, doing a catch-up episode because we haven't been on here for a while. Uh, Apologies for my air conditioner running as loudly as it may be. We will see. Um, We have a ton of news to talk about um, that we've been missing out on lately. Um, We have a bunch of stuff that's kind of topical, so we'll be talking about all of that. Uh, Let's start out with the news that broke just a little while ago about... Uh, Let's start out in the world of of Superman, because that is probably one of the biggest stories besides the Screen Actors Guild strike possibly happening in the near future. Um, One of the biggest stories to, to break. And let's start out with this. I have to be the same way that I was with the Snyder Cut, I feel like. I think the Snyder Cut's the wrong way to put it. I think that what I what I what I've, what I've more accurately want to put this to is the criticism I had going into Batman v. Superman. If you go back and listen to this show historically, I, I think I posited this back then. And I think that we have a similar situation here. Uh, my issue with Batman v. Superman is that it was very obviously DC's attempt under Snyder and all of them to try and play catch up with Marvel. It was... Them being like, okay, we want to build toward a Justice League movie because we see that sweet, sweet Avengers money that Marvel just made. We want to get in on that. So it's Batman v Superman, and then on top of that, we're bringing in um, all these other characters. We're bringing in Aquaman, we're bringing in Wonder Woman, we're bringing in The Flash, we're bringing in Cyborg. And that was a big part of the marketing going into it. And good for them. It made $800 million, whatever. And which, contrary to what Snyder fans will have you believe, is not good for the first time Superman and Batman are sharing screen time together. Um, And either way, it is what it is. Two of the biggest icons on the planet. Here's what we have going on here. So we have our casting for Superman and Lois Lane. Our Superman is going to be David Cornswett. I think that's how you pronounce his last name. I'll have to learn that before we get to the full release. And Rachel Brosnahan, who you may know from House of Cards, who you may know from uh, Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, uh, she will be playing Lois Lane. Great. We got three more casting news about under an hour ago, um, and these three casting news are: we you know Nathan Fillion will be playing Guy Gardner. Nathan Fillion being a longtime collaborator with James Gunn. He previously played TDK in um, in Suicide Squad. He previously played um, that 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 one random guy in, um, what was that other movie, in in Guardians 3, um, he, he is there, um, he'll be playing Guy Gardner, um, the Green Lantern, we have Isabella Merced, which I think that's how you pronounce her name, um, if that name sounds familiar, she was in the, Michael Bay produced live action Dora the Explorer reboot, that kind of fiddled out in 2019, she was also the girl in, um, what was the other movie? the other major production, um, Transformers The Last Night. um, so she'll be playing Hawk Girl, and Edie Gethege, um, whose name I definitely just butchered and I apologize for, um, he will be playing Mr. Terrific, now, he's someone who you may be unfamiliar with until I say the big production he was in, he played Darwin in X-Men First Class, he'll be playing Mr. Terrific. Now, I have no problem with any of these castings on the surface. I don't think that any of this is, you know, a particularly bad idea. I think that having a Guy, guy Gardner as, as Green Lantern is a, not a terrible idea. Um, I would like to see Jon Stewart. Um, and I, I think that my concern going into this, because this is going to be— I, I don't have a problem with Superman existing in a world where heroes already exist— I think that could be an interesting way, especially if we're starting out this thing. Because we also know this is also going to be a world that's also going to feature the the arrival of... I think Blue Beetle's going to already be in this world. Um, I think, number one, my problem is these are mostly known entities with the exception of you know, Edie, Geth, Geth, Iggy. Um, I think that you run into the risk of... Hopefully this isn't the same Green Lantern we're going to have for an entire show. Um, because I don't think that... The vibe that's described really matches what I see out of Nathan Fillion, um, and I think that that's something that could be an issue. Um, I think that Isabella Mercedes is a big enough name where you're gonna you could have that be a big thing going forward. I'm curious as to if they keep. Um, oh fuck! What was the name of the actor who played a uh, Hawkman? In, uh, in Black Adam. Because I, I wouldn't be against him staying. Because um, he wasn't terrible. I would not be against him staying. As, as you know related to her. Um, the age difference would be a bit much though. My concern is. Are we going to be billing these people. As. As the way they did. With with Batman v Superman. Where it's like these are going to be entities. That are so big in the marketing. And then they have basically the post-printing in the middle of the movie. Or that's going to be like, oh, we are building out the Justice League using these characters. Which, if that's the case, I'm okay with it. But are they going to, or are they going to market it where it's like these are major players in the movie, and 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 as such, like, are we looking at a a Black Adam situation where these characters are already existing in a thing, or are we looking at a uh, a Batman v Superman situation? Because each case has their merits. It's just, if it's going to be a, a, a Black Adam situation, we run the risk of the movie not being about Superman anymore. And then allegedly, this movie's also going to introduce the authority. And if that's the case, we are super bloating this movie. And if that's the case, I think that we could have a situation where the DCU is dead on arrival. Because if that's just what they're going to do, and it's going to be like, oh shit, we're going to do all... And then, also, in two years' time, what state is the superhero movie market going to be in? Like, and not just for DC, in general. And and I think that the other issue could be, if we're going to overbloat this movie with all this stuff, it's like we we're getting away from if it's going to be about superman and lois and then the other thing we're announcing as the third fourth and fifth casting is a green lantern hawk girl and mr terrific my question is just why like i get you want to do this i get you want to, you want to do this but this screams of you know we want to get this on board and what i was saying before about the sorry i was checking a text. But what I was saying before about the, you know, the What State Superhero movie genre going to be in, it's like, we won't have a DC movie between then and now. We will have, I mean, between between right now and then, we have two DC EU movies remaining. We have Blue Beetle, which just got its second trailer today, and the movie comes out in a month. And we have um, Aquaman, which may or may not come out. Because if Blue Beetle comes out and bombs, there is a very solid chance that we never see that Aquaman movie. Um, because it comes out in in December and we haven't seen a trailer yet. We haven't seen anything since those pictures out of, out of Fandome. Then in 2024, the only DC movie is Joker. Meanwhile, on Marvel's side of the field, you know, we have, from Marvel Studios, we have the Marvels. Then next year we have Deadpool 3, which is a giant multiverse movie. Then we have uh, Captain America, which is another giant movie, and then we have Thunderbolts, which is another giant movie. And then before this, there is in May there's Fantastic Four, so that's all you know happening. And Fantastic Four may get delayed again, but who knows? Um, and then we also have this issue of what about Sony? What Sony's doing? Because I think the only you know movie that's slated for release from Sony, as it stands right now, is Craven. And then what about? after that. I mean, they're they're shooting a Venom movie now. Is that coming out next year, or is that coming out the year after? Um, and, and how does that play into things? Um, and as more and more of these movies come out and don't do well, I mean, fortunately I'm getting into a point now where we aren't quite as overloaded, and I think that that's kind of what's causing this year's weird situation to be what it is, is that there are so many of them coming out, and people being more discerning. I think as we get into the future, and less and less of these are coming out on a consistent basis, we may end up at a point where Pete, where these movies start doing better at the box office. Now, is there going to be a market for this giant superhero movie at that point? And it's, I mean, I think that they're banking on yes. And the question is, too, is the new regime at Warner Brothers going to allow this to happen? I mean, look, there is a a solid chance that we end up where this DC slate never really happens. Because I think that that's what this is. And, and the thing is, too, we're seeing a lot of, you know conversation about like why do we need to see every step along the way of a superhero movie coming out why do we need to see every little casting thing every person up for consideration for a role why do all of these things need to be public knowledge and and for the most part it's not announcements from studios and i think that the issue that we could run into is if if we get to a point where the remaining two movies that come out this year or remaining one movie that comes out this year comes out in bombs and it's a big budget, I mean, it's 75 million and it needs to make a lot less to make back its budget. But if it doesn't make back its budget, which is, I think a real possibility, um, considering how little they're marketing it and all that, if that happens and Aquaman either comes out and bombs or Aquaman doesn't come out and then Joker comes out, and does as much as the first Joker did, um, or a comparable amount, or, I mean, again, if we're looking at a movie with a a $50 million, $60 million budget, if it comes out and does reasonably well, we're looking at a... And keep in mind, too, I think we've said this before, the, the... the original person that they wanted to do the DC Universe was not done. Done was not the first choice. The first choice for the DC Universe was um, Todd Phillips, who directed Joker. Why? He took a little bit of money and turned it into a... Uh, I think it was over a billion with Joker. I think what this announcement is... I mean, looking at, like, you know where we are with, with again where we are where we are at Deadpool, where it's like, oh, and Scott Summers is coming back. Oh, and Gene Gray's coming back. Oh, and this one's coming back. The only confirmed returns from Deadpool are uh, Hugh Jackman and Jennifer Garner are the only two who are confirmed to be returning. Everyone else is just speculation. Leakers. Scoopers insiders, all these people who are like, look, I'm looking for... It's people who are basically just revealing what's happening in the movie for people who care. And then the trades run with it. So basically what's happening is we have all this information coming out, and it's not official sources. It's not Disney or or um, coming out and saying it. It's not Warner Brothers coming out and saying it. It is these unofficial sources. The difference is the the source for all of this information from DC is guns. And from trades. And from Warner Brothers directly. I think what this is. Is it's done attempting to create a fan base. As rabid for this movie. As the Snyder Cut. He is you know. Well look at the end of the day. It's you know. I think this is just him being like. We're going to create. You know. We, we, we don't want to. We, we saw what the Snyder Cut could do. What the Snyder fan base was able to do. They were able to generate enough vitriolic, um, and, and loud attention of, we want this to happen, we want to see this movie, we want to see this thing, and, you know, it came, and it happened, we got, you know, that, I think that that's what all this is, it's, we are going to keep you in the loop about everything happening, we're going to keep you with story details, we're going to keep you with all these ideas, we're going to show you the things we want to do in this movie, and, you know, God willing, we will be able to do, we're going to show you all of that, and, what can end up happening is, you know, if Warner Brothers starts getting it in their head that they don't want to do it, you then have a rabid fan base to sick on the, you know, to sick on Warner Brothers to get your way. I think that's what this is. And I think the thing is, too, if we look at what Gunn's doing, Gunn is looking out for himself. Because we're also seeing him talk about, oh, well, I had a conversation with Chris Pratt about what to do with a Star-Lord movie. And it's like, yeah, but... Why, though? Because if you're moving over to DC full-time and you're going to be running DC, why do you need to have a conversation about what to do for a Star-Lord movie? What does that matter? It shouldn't. You have your universe to do whatever you want with. The solution here is don't buy into the hype. Don't look at what this is and, and let it stand out. I'm hesitant about this being... Th- this coming from the top. I'm, I'm. This is the kind of thing that makes me think that we're dealing with the second coming of Snyder. This is... You know, this is someone with the open power of Snyder, you know, the, the Snyder that he will, the, the, the power that people perceive Snyder as having, Gunn actually has. We don't know for certain if he actually had the level of power that people attribute to him, namely with his ability to shape the DC universe in his image. We don't know how much of that was accurate. We know he was consulting on, on other projects to make it kind of cohesive, but we don't know if he has the... The, the carte blanche and blank check that Gunn has to build the entire universe. We don't know if that's the case. Because presumably, if I'm, you know, if I'm Snyder and I have that, like, the project I put into production is not Suicide Squad as project number three. The project I put in, if I'm gonna be building towards, you know, the Justice League being what it was, I would have put Cyborg there. Because Cyborg is way more important to that overarching story. And the question is, it's like, does he actually have that power? Because if the if Suicide Squad was going to deal with the Mother Box the way it was going to, why did they? You know what entity at Warner Brothers interceded to keep that from happening? If he was the if he was the one who had that kind of level of of oversight. So look, we can sit here and be like, oh well, who's leaking this information? Who's leaking this information? If Vanity Fair is the source for it, it's someone high up and it's official. This is not, you know some guy on Twitter who's running the story and being like, and look, I'm not disparaging people on Twitter who have insiders and all of that. Uh, I mean, look, there's, there's a difference between that and people like We Got Discovered who are just creating clickbait articles based on what they speculate. But the issue is, where does this land? What does this mean for the movies and, and all of that? I think this is gun trying to create a fan base around a movie that doesn't exist to galvanize so that way they cannot be canceled. I think that's what this is. This is trying to create an uncancelable movie based on what worked with the Snyder Cut. And to be honest, it's not a terrible plan. And it'd be not a terrible plan if the Snyder Cut had better returns. Because keep in mind, the Snyder Cut did not have great viewership. The Snyder Cut, you know, ended up with it. Like, I think the Snyder Cut did less than, you know, The Flash, if I remember correctly. And it's premiere. So look, on that note, unless I don't know, I'm 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 starting to feel like there are bigger games at play here than than we are aware of. And maybe that is just me being a conspiracy theorist. But the way things are shaping up and the way Warner Bros. is currently being run, I I don't feel like a rebooted DC universe is something that Warner Brothers is, is interested in with entirely new entities. I don't think Warner Bros. is in the place that Marvel Studios was in 2008. I don't think Warner Bros. is in the place Warner Brothers was in 2013 when they launched Man of Steel, or 2016 when they launched um, Suicide Squad and Batman v Superman. I just don't think that's the world we're in right now. And if that's the case, this is not something that I'm looking at as a, this is a good thing. We shouldn't know about these roles in this movie this early in the process and on top of that, too, let's keep in mind, you know, there's a potential for a Screen Actors Guild strike. I would say a very high a very high likelihood of a Screen Actors Guild strike happening uh, starting tomorrow. Because that's the issue, where we have a contract that expires, I mean, not we, I mean, the Screen Actors Guild has a contract that expires um, in, in, like, what, like, five hours, I think it expires, or maybe it's at the end of the day tomorrow. But either way... That contract expires. They're not producing anything. And I don't think they're close to a deal because the the AMPTP is looking for a mediator, a federal mediator to come in and be like, they aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing. Can we, you know, can we get this done? And if that's the case and, and they're looking for a federal mediator, I don't see a deal happening. So if, if we're going to end up with a strike where we're going to end up with things not happening, I, I think there's a possibility this movie doesn't even come out then. And if that's the case, and, and we're, we're we're moving this further and further down the line, there's a possibility they cancel this thing in production. And I, I just don't know how that plays. But yeah, let's let's wrap up on that. So the, the other two stories we've touched on. Let's start with the uh, the Deadpool stories. Um, right, we have another story after that too. But Deadpool, Jennifer Garner has officially joined the cast. I mean, it seems like this is going to be Deadpool kills the you know the Fox universe fine you know i'm I, again i'm not super intrigued by these you know by, by the amount of stuff that's coming out i don't know how much of it's real how much of it's not real how much of it's just we're trying to you know we're like you know it's, it's just someone telling these these things how much of it is actually accurate i mean we know this is certain We've, we saw the picture of, of hugh jackman in in costume we see his new comic accurate wolverine costume we know that's happening Everything else is just speculation. We're not going to talk about because it it could be real, could be not. Uh, we also have the story that um, the Screen Actors Guild could be striking. Again, we touched on that. I mean, it's gonna it's gonna have ripple effects through the entire industry because things aren't going to get made and, and all of that. And the, the the final story is a preservation story, we talk about preservation a lot in the world of uh, media because as more things get removed from streaming services there's impossible, you can't watch them anymore. Like, Willow got pulled off of Disney+. Plus. I didn't particularly care for Willow. You can't watch it anywhere now. Uh, you go on um, on Paramount+, they just had that show, Grease, Rise of the Pink Ladies. If you didn't watch it in the month after it ended, you can't watch it anymore. It's not there anymore. Same for Star Trek, Star Trek Prodigy, and a bunch of other shows that have gotten pulled from multiple streaming services. Max has done it, Paramount's done it, Disney has done it with Disney+, and Hulu. It's, it's not a good practice all around. Um, and another industry where preservation is a major issue is in the video game industry. We talk about, um, how, how video games don't have, you know, if a game isn't available on a console, how can we play? Um, and this new study came out that said 87% of video games that have ever been made are unavailable to legally play as it stands right now. And... That's not modern games, that's every game ever to have come out, and 87% of them are unable to be played right now. Here's the problem. There there, is, there are some logistical issues that go into this. Number one, uh, licensing. Number two, companies that no longer exist because they're defunct, and, and things like that lead to issues where these games cannot be ported to to modern consoles. Like, if a game had licensed music, and then that company, and that band no longer is licensed it, that, those band music is no longer licensed to a certain company. They can't license it to the other one. they got to do other things. And then there's a financial interest in video game companies not keeping them available um, in their original form because they can sell remasters um, instead of having it available. And, and, you know, we have these issues where these games are just lost to the agents because it's just, you know, un- unable to be played. I mean, emulators exist, and and piracy exists, and I think that there needs to be a, a middle ground on piracy. And I think the solution is that, here's the thing, copyright exists to make it so that way a company or a entity that makes a video game or a movie or a song or something like that, it makes it so that way they can... Um, someone else can't come in and make a copy of it, and sell it on their own. Or, in a way, make it so, that way they can't do it. There's a reason why when you get school pictures, this is an issue I ran into at Walgreens all the time when I worked there, uh, when you get school pictures, um, we weren't allowed to print copies of school pictures. Because, under law, the photographer has a copyright to it, and, the co- and they have the right to print those pictures um, while you know, and all that. If you don't own the image, you own the copy of the image. You can't just copy it. I mean, you can do it at home and no one's going to stop you, but you can't You can't pay someone else to do it when, if money's going to change hands for it to happen, um, the rightful person who should be getting the money is the photographer. Um, and for video games and movies and music and TV shows, the way that exists is you are the rightful, what's uh, call it called, the person who makes... Who, I, I guess it's whoever produces it. So, like, if, if Paramount produces a show, they have the right to it. Um, and the same goes for video games. Like, if EA makes a game, the director doesn't have the copyright to it. The, the rights go to EA. And I think the solution should be, if you are no longer selling a way for you to play a game in a legal fashion, or if you are no longer offering a movie for sale or viewable in a legal fashion... Then you are not able to say that this isn't up because the idea behind a copyright, as it stands, is you are taking money away from the rightful copyright owner. But and I think that this is something that they probably would need even need to change the law for. It like let's say I am Nintendo. We'll use Nintendo because they're very litigious in this in this category. Let's say I'm Nintendo and I have a uh, and I'm offering um Pokémon uh Nintendo 64 um, wow, six, uh Super Mario 64. I'm offering that for sale on my uh, or not for sale, it's available on on Nintendo Switch online. If someone comes along and, you know, pirates that and then does it, the case behind them being able to copyright claim it is they're going to go there and get that that way as opposed to going to me. And, and getting it where I can get paid, I am the rightful copyright owner. The The issue comes in, like, let's say, let's use, um, what's it called? We're not going to use Nintendo. We're going to use, um, I think EA produced it, um, Harry Potter and the uh, Chamber of Secrets we'll use for the PlayStation 2. Um, now, if you go to PlayStation Online, you cannot get that in their thing. If you go on the Xbox store, it's not on their thing. If you go on Steam, you can't buy it for PC because it was imported. If you go on Epic, if you go anywhere, that game is not available to purchase anywhere. So by pirating it, you are not taking money from EA because you cannot buy it to do that. And to say, like, oh, well, I'll go to the retro game store and buy it, it's the same thing. You also are not taking money from EA. Because when I go to my local game store to buy a game and I buy... You know, I was looking for Doom Bow for Arrakis, Like whoever the produ- whoever produced Command and Conquer, because oh, they also made that game. Um, that that company didn't get a cut of that income. Like it, it's a weird situation because the used game market is is legal for games that are out of print. But if a game's out of print and it's not available on like. That's the thing, is that if we're going to sit here and say, like, oh, well, it, it shouldn't be allowed because the, these studios aren't making money. I don't know. I, I feel like I'm talking in circles here. But the issue is, like, you know, I, you shouldn't be allowed to make that claim as a copyright owner if you aren't losing money. Because I think it's a standing issue. It also becomes a standing issue where it's, like, you didn't lose anything from that. Like, and the whole issue of piracy is this whole thing where it's like, well, they technically aren't losing anything because they're, you're making a copy of something else, so the, the original still exists, but it's a fundamental question of ownership there, but the issue is, like, if we want to say that, like, by pirating something, I am costing the copyright hold, uh, holder money, if you want to say that for a game that's out and available, like, if I pirate NBA 2K whatever, like, I am costing 2K the $70 that I would have spent otherwise. Um, if I pirate a game that's 20 years out of print, who am I costing money? Especially in a case where the company's out of business. And look, I'm not saying that piracy is the answer, and I, I, I don't think I'm allowed to openly advocate piracy. Um, I feel like that that's a, that's a no-no. But the, the issue is, like, in a case where the game is out of print, these 87% of all games that cannot be bought but you also can't download them legally because the the original company had a stranglehold on it. That's, that's the situation. Now, if you want to say that, like, oh, well, it's offered for sale now, so now you can't do it, then that's an entirely different story. If you want to make the back catalogs available, then that's fine. But that's the thing, is that it's like, if the game is not available legally for purchase, you should not be allowed to copyright it. Or copyright. And the same goes for movies. Like, if you're a studio, if you're Warner Brothers and you're creating artificial scarcity... Like, that's not going to happen. And the reason why these rules exist the way they are is because of things like the Disney Vault. Where Disney was the one who lobbied for these rules, and Disney created this artificial scarcity for, for decades by saying, we're going to release a movie, and then we're going to put it on VHS, we're going to put it on DVD, and we're going to do that for six months, and then after, we're going to re-vault it. And then you don't know when it's going to come out again in the future. Um, and... That is, you know, that's why this law exists the way it is. Because of companies like that, that were like, hey, we want to be able to, you know, drum up or artificially inflate our, inflate our prices. Um, and I think that therein lies the problem with this entire system. Um, because look, if, if I want to go back and play Disney Extreme Skate Adventure, which was a Toys for Bob thing. Like, that's a game that will never be made available for sale. Because of the amount of licensing deals in that game. Little Romeo Romeo's in that game, so you got to pay him likeness rights. Uh, Nokia has a major sponsorship in, with that game. Um, McDonald's has a major sponsorship with that game. And then the question is, like, if we're gonna do this, like, and we're doing this in the name of game preservation, and we put these games out and they modify it to accommodate the lack of licensing rights, is that truly preservation? I would say no, because the issue is then we are no longer preserving the game as it was. What we're doing is, we are, we're we're taking a, a a game and changing it from its original way to make it available. But at the same time, then, the original will no longer be available. Because then it's like, okay, so now the the underlying IP is being used somewhere else, and, and the underlying base game is being used somewhere else. So like, let's use Disney Extreme State Adventure as the example, where... Okay, we we modify the game. We take out McDonald's. We put in generic, you know, fast food place. We take out Nokia. We put in, you know, generic phone company, um, and and everything else is kind of the same. And and again, likely not going to happen because of the fact that the licensing deal with Toys for Bob and Disney has likely ended. So they they do the game. It's basically the exact same game. The map is all exactly the same. It's just been retextured to be something else entirely. So all the Toy Story levels are something different. All the Lion King levels something different. All the Tarzan levels something different, which is also an issue because there's that rights issue regarding the the estate of Edgar Rice Burroughs. Because there's a reason why Tarzan only appears in One Kingdom Hearts game, and that's a major problem. But so so all of that changes, and it's all made into something generic. But does that now give them the ability to copyright claim that game because they're selling what is functionally the same game, just modified to accommodate the rights issues? But look, I think the, the 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 key is that the game games need to be made available because they're teaching tools. If you're not going to make the game available, then what does it do to help? And, and, and when we talk about like people taking, you know, taking, you know, what we already know and building on it, it's like there's a reason why you know we feel that movies and TVs and TV shows iterate the way they do. The, the problem becomes, if you don't have that back catalog of games to go back to and be like, this is how game, where games came from, you lack the fundamental understanding of why things are the way they are. We have that, and we have the context of the historical past of movies and TV, because those weren't dismissed the way they were, video games were. So, it, what we're losing out on is kind of an ancestral history, to an extent, of the medium. And if, if we're just going to sit here and be in a place where it's like, okay, our, our ability to go back and look at games in this capacity is is entirely decided based on the, the willingness of a, um, of a company to not sue or be paid off to not sue or, or turn a blind eye, that's not a situation that's good for the medium. And the same goes for streaming. Like, if you're going to put in all this money and you're going to put the uh, put the show out and then say you can't have it anymore, it you, you shouldn't also be allowed to say, like, yeah, but you also can't pirate it. Like, if someone wants to go and watch Grease Rise of the Pink Ladies, I'm sure they can through some piracy way. And that is fundamentally a problem with both of these issues. Um, but I think that's as good a place as any to wrap up for today. Um, so... Overall, beware of spoilers. We have a pretty packed week. We are going to have. I think it's going to be tomorrow morning. Um, we're going to be doing uh, an episode about uh, what was it called? Uh, Secret Invasion, episode four. We're going to get up early and do that tomorrow. We're going to be doing um, Full Circle, the new show on HBO Max, My Adventures with Superman, the new show on Adult Swim. We're going to keep doing iCarly and uh, Star Trek Beyond or Star Trek. Uh, wow, Star Trek Strange New Worlds. All of that's going to keep happening as scheduled. Um, this week, in terms of movies, we're going to be doing Black Ice, the new documentary about uh, the history of non-white people in the in in hockey, and we're also going to be, we also did last night uh, the new episode about um, Mission Impossible: Dead Reckoning Part One. So a lot to go on. So until our next episode of this, which will be later this week, when we do uh, our episode about. Pac-Man World 2, which is another game that is no longer available. And Pac-Man World, that's your perfect example. Would that game be able to be copyright striked by... under that interpretation of the law? Which, again, not a lawyer. Not a lawyer. Just a a loose interpretation of how I think the law works, which is very wrong. I'm not a lawyer, because if I was a lawyer, and this was accurate to reality, then this would not be an issue right now. Uh, But... We will wrap up there for today. So until our next episode, have a great rest of your week.